0: is airing on Tuesday, November 30th, 2021. Hello, everyone. It's Shannon, and I am back with you for another Tuesday episode, although this one is going to be more like <clears throat> last week's Tuesday episode than like some of the ones you've heard previous. So I am going to take a break from new releases until the first of the year. I feel like it's just a huge struggle to keep up with the changing release dates, especially as in December, the publishers are kind of winding down with what they're putting out. So the the list is small to begin with, and then with all the changes, it it gets smaller still. So I have made an executive book bistro decision that until the first Tuesday in January, you'll be having author interviews on Tuesday without um, new releases. So having said that, I am really, really looking forward to sharing today's interview with you. This is an interview that I did with author Lana Harper. And we talk about a book that is one of my favorite releases of 2021. If you like witchy books, if you like lesbians, if you like romance and revenge pacts, I highly, highly recommend this book. I hope you love both the interview and the book as much as I do. So I have nothing further. Let us get into the interview. Well, that's kind of a lie. First, we have the housekeeping information. Then you'll hear the interview with Lana Harper. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro podcast. This is Shannon. And if you listened to our most anticipated Books of October episode, you will recognize the name of the author that I'm about to introduce. Kristen talked about Paybacks a Witch, Witches of Thistle Grove, Book One by Lana Harper. And today I am delighted to welcome Lana to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me on, Shannon. You
0: are very welcome. So in case people didn't um, hear Kristen gushing about how much she was anticipating this release, could you tell listeners a little bit about Payback's a Witch?
1: Yeah I'd be happy to. So Payback uh, is a queer witchy rom-com that I like to think of as John Tucker Must Die meets Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. So it's about Emmy Harlow, who is a prodigal witch reluctantly returning to her magical hometown of Thistle Grove after nine years spent living a pretty much magicless life in Chicago. Uh, But she's back, and she's back to arbitrate a spellcasting tournament that happens once every generation in which the other three magical families compete. um, And one of them gets to be the victor of the wreath. But once she's back, she discovers that the bastard warlock, Gareth Blackmore, who broke her heart and drove her out of town in the first place, has similarly scorned her best friend, Lyndon Thorne, and also Talia Avramov, the dark, twisty, sexy girl who Emmy lusted after in high school. So the three witches band together uh, in a vengeance pact, as one does, uh, to prevent Gareth from winning the gauntlet as his family has traditionally done. And then sparks fly and possibly two of the witches uh, end up maybe falling for each other.
0: So there are so many aspects of this book that I found utterly, utterly delightful. I loved the idea of like, this witch coming back home. I love small towns. I like people returning sort of to, their, to their roots and having to come to terms with what drove them away. I love the idea of women like, banding together to sort of make a vengeance pact and, you know, stand up for what they believe in. I love magic. This is just like the perfect fall book. And I'm so, so glad that it's out in the world.
1: I'm so thrilled to hear that. Uh, Pretty much when I wrote it, those were the things that I wanted to be focusing on. So out of all of my books, This was likely the most intentional one. Uh, I had just finished writing Poison Priestess, which was the second book in the Lady Slayers series of historical murderesses. And I was um, working on a thriller, an adult thriller. And then my agent had just come back from meetings in New York. And she was like, Lana, I keep hearing that editors are looking for witchy rom-coms. I know that you love rom-coms and you've been looking for a good transition point to do that. So what if you did one of those? So we started brainstorming for an idea and we went back and forth and she, at some point sent me a one-liner and it was just, what if you did John Tucker must die, but everyone's a witch and two of the witches fall for each other. And I was like, that is brilliant. It sparked every possible inspiration process that, that I'm lucky enough to have and so i started thinking how could i bring that to life in a unique way and so it seemed to me that the best way to kind of flesh that out was have a magical town have a spell casting tournament so that the stakes would be really high um, and then have four magical families vying with each other so there would be all this built in history between them and all these different magical abilities to explore so yeah, actually,
0: just-, yeah
1: <laughs> just this elaborate <laughs> playground
0: So This is billed as a series and I'm so excited because that means that we will get to return to Thistle Grove hopefully sometime um, in the not too distant future. Can you say anything at all about kind of what you have planned for the overall series or would that be kind of spoilery and not
1: good? Actually I can tell you at least a little bit about the sequel because the sequel is already slated for publication in May it's called yeah yeah pretty soon from bad to cursed so we're continuing this tradition of uh, witch punning um and i just did the cover reveal a a little bit ahead of time in my newsletter and then i'm going to do it officially on social media next week so everybody will get to see it i'm really in love with this book cover it's gorgeous it's everything i wanted for the story but the couple uh at the romance's heart is isa avramov who is uh, talia avramov's younger sister and Rowan Thorne, who is Lyndon Thorne's twin brother. So they're both characters who are introduced uh, in Payback and they have a very, very sizzling enemies to lovers romance. They're arch enemies and have been for many years and their families are traditionally kind of um, at odds with each other, Uh, but they have to resolve and get to the bottom of a dread curse that is leveled against the Thorne family. So they also become reluctant partners as they discover their attraction to each other. Oh, may seem so far away.
0: (laughs) I am not a patient waiter for new books. (laughs) Me neither, honestly. I'm very, very excited for this. So this reminds me a little bit of like paranormal romance, kind of urban fantasy a bit. Are those genres that you tend to read or is your reading um, more sort of uh, grounded like in, in this particular world.
1: I love those genres. Um, one of my favorite, and this isn't paranormal romance, but it's very genre. I love the Dresden Files by Jim Butcher. So it's one of my all time favorites. Um, and he actually has a fair amount of sexiness and, and emotions and emotional development in his books as well. So that's one of my formative influences when it comes to genre writing. And then Laurel Hamilton's books, I think, you know, everyone's, everyone's kind of read those who likes any kind of paranormal romance. So I've definitely spent a lot of time in that space. But I think my foundational genre romance sexy books are uh, Jacqueline Carey's Cushiel series. I love those. Yeah, so sexy, so high fantasy, but also at the same time, I mean, kind of like Renaissance Grounded. They're beautiful. They're a little bit more elaborate than what I'm writing right now, but they're just like, for me, they're the epitome. They're what I would want to be writing. And they really like, they're also so sapphic and so just generally diverse that I remember reading them and being like, this is what I want every book that I read to be like. And there are so few of them out there.
0: They are so long and lush and dark and lovely I read the first one um gosh several several years ago I was still like in grad school so like 2006 maybe and it was just such such a huge world that I think will
1: stay with me forever she is so amazing Yeah, she has real staying power. I keep looking for something along those lines and I've never found something as satisfying. Like Margaret Rogerson, who writes YA, has a similarly lush world building, but those are still YA books. So you don't get that really elaborate and very kind of earthy sexual component that I like so much in her books. So if you have any recommendations of something similar, I'm dying for for anything Jacqueline Carey-esque. So
0: this isn't like an exact... Read alike because I don't think there is for for Cushiel, but Anne Bishop um, has written like she's pretty well known right now for her Others series, which is a little bit lighter and um, not not quite what I'm talking about. But she has a series that she wrote back like in the '90s, and it's the Black Jewels. It started off as a trilogy, and it's expanded into this like very very large world. Um, the first book is Daughter of the Blood. It's dark fantasy in the way that parts of Kushiel of are. Um, there isn't quite the sapphic element though, um, but the, the world building and the writing do kind of put me a little bit in that space of
1: Kushiel's of Dart. I have read a couple of those because it gets, it does get comped and I think it's probably the closest comp um, yeah. and I, I would say in some ways it's almost more hardcore. Because you have, you know, you have those, I forget what they're called, like the power rings, like the way that the witches oh, yeah, humans, I was like, oh, boy. oh yeah, like you're not pulling any punches here. Okay. <laughs> So, no, I'm I'm definitely on board for those books. Uh I think I think they're almost edgier in a certain way. They're 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 similar but different. So that's I think that's an excellent comp and probably the closest we can come. Like to to something Jacqueline Carey has. Hopefully down the line I really would love to write a very lush, elaborate fantasy Um, that's a take on the Lilith mythology, maybe like (laughs) world fantasy. I, I, at some point I started a book that was along those lines. And then, um, I just got sidetracked with contemporary, but that's really the dream. That's like my white whale. Like I want to do that very badly and I would like to make it very sexy and very lush. So maybe, maybe eventually. (laughs) I will keep
0: hoping that you do this because there are some books that kind of touch on the whole Lilith myth. But nothing that really like, digs deep into it and really brings it to life. Um, and it's such a such a unique, powerful piece of mythology. So I would really love to see it like brought to life in kind of a like a modern, you know, the, the way books are written now, rather than just as as a myth.
1: Definitely. I mean, I don't know that I could ever reach sort of Circe levels. Because uh, Cersei was such a gorgeous book. But that's, that's one of those things that I would love to do. And Lilith, I have a special connection with. I've always felt that she was my patron goddess. And I love her. And I do a lot of Lilith rituals. So maybe down the line, I would, I would really like to do something like that. Obviously, very different from a rom-com perspective. But def- it's it's on the list. I don't
0: see Lilith um, working well in a rom-com. So I think,
1: no, maybe, you
0: know, a little darker would... Uh... It would be good for that. Um, the, the witchy part of my soul, like really, really likes that idea. I am more of a bridged um, devotee, but I, I think there's, there's just so much that is mysterious and magical and phenomenal in, in those old myths that kind of seep into our, our modern world. <laughs>
1: Yeah, they're very powerful archetypes. And for what it's worth, Bridget is amazing. And uh, I've known uh, quite a few wonderful people who identify very closely with her. So I can completely see the attraction there. But I think a lot of those goddesses, really the reason they're so compelling to people is because they really, they just showcase a certain side of ourselves that we that is either thwarted or doesn't get to take center stage very often so once you find someone you resonate with I'm always like yeah go for it <laughs> like whatever it takes to kind of go with that especially if you can find it in literature too it's the most fun
0: yeah I don't see a ton of like goddess inspired literature you know there's some um Yasmin Gallinorin has done a like post-apocalyptic story where her um her heroine is bound to Hecate. Um, and that's pretty cool. It was a little disconcerting to me when like the goddesses were sending people text messages, but I'm a big Yasmin Galanorn fan. So I, uh, I followed her and it was, it was amazing, but you don't really see a lot of, of goddess themed stuff out there.
1: Not as much as there should be for sure. And usually when it does come up, I think it's a It tends to be folded in to other things. Like I've seen some of the Celtic goddesses uh, show up in the Iron Druid books. I think that's Kevin Hearn who writes them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you'll see those, but it's not, I mean, it's not just about the goddess. So I think when you do see them, they tend to be kind of literary fiction novelizations. And I would prefer something kind of in between. So yeah, I'll see. I mean, Lilith remains, and in general, that realm really remains something that I'm that I would love to write about down the line so fingers crossed I would I would really enjoy doing that
0: you might enjoy the Lauren Dane um, goddess with a blade series
1: which is kind of that
0: urban fantasy Um, she was like our heroine is, is Rowan and she is raised kind of in this like vampire court but she's actually a vampire hunter and the soul of of the she's like a vessel for a goddess um and it's just it's very it's very cool that is fantastic who was the author again lauren dane and the first book is goddess with a blade thank you okay that sounds perfect yes i hope you love it (laughs) so you also write some y.a And do you see a difference kind of in like your writing process when you're writing for teens versus something like Payback's a Witch, which is, you know, sexier and more sort of aimed at an adult audience?
1: I think the difference in the writing process has been not even necessarily. Uh, Based on the leap between genres, but more just the natural evolution of having been writing for a certain amount of time. I used to edit and have to do gigantic edits on my YA books, especially the early ones, because I was still just kind of finding my way. And I wasn't sure what my outlining and character sketch process really looked like. So I did a lot of pantsing. <laughs> I just wrote and I didn't know what was going to happen. And I had like a couple of signal flares, you know in the story that I knew I was gonna hit but everything in between was a mystery. So it was a very daunting way to write. And then by the time that I had gotten to, uh, to write my adult book, I had already had experiences like doing external screenwriting for Pixelberry Studios who do, uh, they produce the Choices app. It's like a choose your own adventure. Oh, yes. because, yeah, so fun. So I wrote a couple of their books. <gasps> so you get a real kind of crash course in dialogue and plotting because you're following uh, sort of like a pretty loose but, but solid outline that your, uh, your internal editor gives you. And then you're also inventing a lot of the characters and doing a lot of that work and just relying heavily on dialogue. So it was like a master class in a different kind of writing than I was used to. So a lot of that kind of combined to give me a strong foundation. When I started writing Payback, I was like, okay, we're not going to leap into it. First, we need a solid understanding. What is this little girl? Where does the power come from? Who are the families? Do I understand my main characters, their likes, dislikes, what makes them, you know, what are their emotional arcs? So I had a far clearer roadmap than I had had for my young adult books. And it made it such a happy, joyful experience. I didn't feel as stressed or as nervous writing it. It was just exciting. So I hope part of that came through. And I really owe a debt to Pixelberry and just to my career before for giving me kind of that springboard.
0: So now that you have sort of discovered, you know, this way of writing and found it something that worked well for you, is that something that you think you'll carry over like back into your YA work?
1: Yeah, so I am not currently planning on doing any more YA, although, of course, if the opportunity presents itself or some idea pops up that is just irresistible, I'm definitely open to it. But regardless of what I write. I really enjoy the technique that I'm, that I'm using now seems to work very well for me. So it's, it's essentially like a laying out of the plot beats, not scene by scene. I can't do anything that nitty gritty, but I have a large kind of macrocosmic picture of what's going to happen in the story. And then I also know the separate characters, character arcs, which do evolve in the writing. They do change. I don't always, Use all the components that I set out for myself. Sometimes, you know, it takes kind of a different bent than I had been expecting, but it's very reassuring. And I really enjoy having that stability so that the things that I don't know, you know, from scene to scene, what will happen, it's more of a happy surprise than it is like a nerve wracking, like blank page. What am I going to do? What's going to happen today? Kind of daunting moment. So I will certainly carry that over to no matter what I do next.
0: You know, when I was growing up, there was so little that was considered YA. I felt like there were either like kids books or adult books. And now there's just this lovely, lovely spot. Like in the middle, you can have like the darker YA, um, like Sabah Tahir, or you can, you know, have it lighter, like a little, you know, a little happier. But there's just so much richness there. And I'm so glad that it has evolved into what it is because now, you know, I'm an adult and I read so much YA. It just, it makes me happy pretty much every day.
1: We're really spoiled for choice right now in YA. There really is exactly as you said, it really runs the gamut. And that's wonderful because teens read all over the place. And so many teens read up when I was uh, maybe 12 or 13. I was reading like Sidney Sheldon. Yeah. kinds of things that probably I shouldn't have been reading because a lot of that stuff is quite sketch. Like having (laughs) done sort of facts. now, I'm like, wow, you should not have been reading that. Like, what? How did you even find those books? But at the same time, of course, you have to ha- give teens freedom to read. So the broader the range, the better. And I love how much there is. YA has genuine, I think it's fun. It's splitting, It's gorgeous. It's far reaching. So yeah, if, if I'm lucky enough to, to go back to working there, I would be happy to.
0: One of my very best friends is like 12 years younger than I am. And we met when I was like in my mid 20s. And so she was, you know, pretty young, like as a teen. And I remember her reading, you know, things that I was reading at the time. And I'm just like, oh my God, like Natalia. (laughs) Reading like Nora Roberts and you know, Sandra Brown and just some stuff. I'm like, ooh. And now she is one of my podcast presenters. And we talk a lot about as as teens, you know, the stuff that we read. And not that teens shouldn't read those things necessarily. You know, I think that there's always power in, in books and in, in reading choices. But I think it's good to have some options that are appealing to teens and perhaps, you know, a little more age appropriate.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I remember when I found. Um, did you ever read the Girls of Canby Hall? I think this is what it was called. Ooh. It was that series, um, and it, it was just three girls at boarding school, and it was. It made me want to go to boarding school, <laughs> not something I had ever aspired to before. But I found it just on a whim because I used to spend so much time at the libraries of the American International Schools that I went to growing up, and I remember one of them was just so stocked, and it was like. It was basically like what you were going to read if you graduated from the babysitter's club. It was like two or three oh, years ago. Okay. I loved those books, but I've never seen them anywhere else. And I've just never, I wonder if they just had like a brief moment and then just disappeared because I've never heard of another person who who read them and really loved them. So I don't know, maybe they were <laughs> just in that one school.
0: I have not heard of those. Um, that's interesting to me. Like the, There I think there are just some books that are like very niche, like the people who know about them, love them. And the rest of the world is just a little bit clueless.
1: You're like, what is this? I'm going to have to Google them later and be like, what happened to these? Did they just sink into obscurity? Were they like independently published by a tiny press or something? Where did I find them? I love them
0: speaking of the babysitters club which were like my sort of foundational reading as a kid the second season is coming to netflix
1: and i'm so happy i haven't even seen the first season yet i'm saving it all <gasps> i know i know i'm going to it's just one of those treats that i've been holding off because i haven't had time to bend something like that but i i need to i know that i have to
0: Oh, they're so, so amazing. Like I was so happy with how they kept like so true to the spirit of the series, but brought it into kind of modern time, like in a way that felt really natural instead of forced. I just love it so much.
1: (laughs) That is fantastic. Wonderful endorsement. So I'm going to have to bump them up. Please do. Cause the second one is coming on October 11th. It's almost time.
0: Well, I want to thank you so incredibly much for taking time out of what I think must be a pretty busy schedule right now, so close um, after your release, but it was lovely to talk with you and get to know a little bit about you and your work. But before
1: you disappear, can you let listeners know the best way to find you online? Yes, absolutely. So I am especially active on Instagram and you can find me there at Lana Light. L-A-N-A-L-Y-T-E. I'm also on Twitter at Lana Popovic Lit. And I'm on Facebook, just Lana Harper. And then on my website is lana popovicbooks.com. So anywhere that you want to reach me, I'm very responsive. I love talking to readers. So thank you so much, Shannon, for, for letting me get that information in. I really, really love making those connections.
0: You're welcome. And again, we are discussing Paybacks a Witch, which is a Thistle Grove book one. And this was released in the US on October 5th.